Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. we really got to try and put ourselves in their shoes. We've got to look at it from their perspective, not ours, because we come with our own, the way we were brought up and our own culture, etc, etc. I think it's very important that our children find their voice. You know, they're not little robots just for us to command, to tell them what we want them to do, you know. Um, We need to guide them to become critical thinkers and empathetic and caring individuals. Um, Let them climb trees, let them have risky play. That's very, very important. The child determines their own risk within play. Hello, this is the Faith in Kids podcast. This is one of those that's aimed just at the parents. And we are making our way through a series called Parenting Through the Stages. We have done pregnancy to six months. We have done six months to twos. This is threes and fours. And uh, I'm delighted to have in a group of enthusiasts for this age group, as well as those who are living in it and might be feeling less enthusiastic. Uh, Victoria, can I start with you? Please tell us a bit about you and why you get to be on this podcast. So my name is Victoria Beach. I'm, I run a small business called God Venture and I make resources to help families do faith at home. And I have two children who are now eight and 10. Um, but I have to say, I do love three-year-olds. They're kind of one of my favourite ages because they're just starting to be able to talk and run around and their joy is infectious. And um, yeah, I think they're awesome. Thank you very much. And Jennifer, Please introduce yourself and even where you are and how you get to be on this podcast. Okay, thank you, Ed, for having me on today. Um, My name is Jennifer McQuillan, um, and um, we lived in England for 15 years, and we had preschools in Southfield in London. And in 2016, we both felt the Lord um, calling us back to South Africa to continue with our childcare work here. Um, We've adopted two beautiful boys, Noah and Jonah, and um, I'm a qualified teacher, um, our schools mostly special needs, mainstream, um, combination schools. And, um, 
I'm also an early years trainer and I do a lot of training in townships and in informal settlements. And um, I do a lot of online Zoom training as well for parents, NGOs, teachers, assistants, anybody who has a love for children. Um, we have all sorts of training available for those parents. And um, yeah, you might say I'm, I'm really passionate about early years. I love it being a mum of, of young children and also having a very bustling preschool. Um, I think it's really important. These are foundation years in a child's life. And the first five years often make up the next 50. So it's really important that we try and get it right. Thanks, Jennifer. And Dex and Julie, are you getting it right? Uh, no. <laughs> and we've got uh, uh, Fred, who's four, and Phoebe, who's three, and we're amateurs. You're amateurs. Julie, tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about your children. Uh, so I'm a paediatric doctor. Um, before I had children and uh, in between maternity leaves, I've been going back there. Um, yeah, I think I, I probably thought I knew a lot about children before having my own children, uh, but they've taught me a lot. Uh, and it's made me realise uh, or given me a lot more empathy and understanding for parents that come in with, with children who are poorly. Uh, and I... I should just clarify that Jules and Dex are indeed married and the children that you can hear are theirs and we look forward to being interrupted by them. And that's the fun of a podcast on three and four-year-olds is that they can't entirely be controlled or do as quite as you expect them to do. So surprises are going to be part of this podcast. We're delighted. Um, Victoria, can you could you start by telling us, tell us about three and four-year-olds. What are they like? Oh, three and four-year-olds are full of energy. I sometimes said to my children when they were little, I think I thought they maybe did like this magical thing at night that when they were sleeping, they somehow sucked all of my energy that I'd managed to grasp from like the three minute sleep they'd given me. And because they woke up with at least three times as much energy as I had in the morning. Um, they love they love movement. They love to dance, to walk, to wiggle. They love singing. They love routine. They love repeated things. So they love Teletubbies because they have the story twice on Teletubbies. If you've ever watched it, no, you weren't drunk. It definitely was twice twice they did the whole story twice and children of this age love that kind of thing it's that's a really well researched program they've got that spot on for that age group um they love stories and they love relationship and they love having fun (laughs) great thank you victoria what and that that i have to say no victoria is the story of victoria that it's wholly positive jennifer are you are you able to tell us what what are some of the common uh parenting experiences in this age group that some of the difficulties some of the joys what do you see from working with families um children are noisy at this age (laughs) as victoria says they do love repetition that's most of their learning is done through repetition at this age they love to learn primarily through play they love hugs they love social um uh, get-togethers they love getting messy it's a wonderful age they're finding their voice and they'll try to see what they can get away with so it can be quite a trying age they're learning about boundaries and what is acceptable behavior especially in a christian home you know we do feel a bit pressured that we want things but our children are children you know and as parents we also fall short at times you know um but at this age it's mostly emotional social development communication and language and physical development we focus on that with the kids um it's a very very exciting age very very exciting age indeed <laughs> <laughs> and um dex what what have been your surprises so far 
of of uh, threes and fours. What's the big discovery for you? Um, I, I think I think largely that is that they are lots of fun um, and that actually want to spend time with you. I mean, it's quite <laughs> they you know any time that you want to have a quiet five minutes, they just want to do something and so and they do like doing anything. So you know, baking, painting, building, DIY, painting, gardening. Climbing trees, running around, kicking a ball—like like anything and anything—they're they're basically up for it. So that that has been a, a surprise and a joy now, to me. Now, Dex, I'm going to rely on you to give me some negatives because you know if you're an alien listening to this podcast, you'd be thinking, "We let's get six threes and fours into our house right now." <laughs> I mean, this is this this sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so Dex, what, does it ever go wrong? <laughs> Never. I can't possibly imagine. <laughs> With little sinful children in your house, how oh, could it ever go wrong? Um, yes, it does. They they, they don't um, they don't spend time with you, but they don't always do what you say. So, baking is never tidy. Um, gardening is never easy, and and uh, and and yeah. So so listening would be, I guess, the the big thing. Um, and um, so they don't they don't always listen to you. Um, whether it be like you know you've got a a sharp screwdriver or something in your hand and they are pointing at their sister and trying to stab the sister or or got muddy hands and want to put them all over the wall or uh, <laughs> have learnt a funny word at school and are shouting at the top of their voice inside. Um, so, yes, they, they don't... It is fun, but it, a lot of the time it's frustrating. They are absolutely... They are totally mobile, they there is a there is a, an absolute ability to 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 do anything climb up every ladder climb into every hole pick up any object uh they can do anything and i think they are the only people in their world so if they want to do it they do it victoria tell us about mm-hmm. it yeah, I, I think that's true. I did a psychology degree many, many eons ago, and there's this theory of mind, which basically means that you, um, when you get a theory of mind, you understand that you are not actually the central character in a cartoon that's all about you. And basically, four-year-olds are only just starting to get the hang of that, and some of them aren't getting the hang of it yet. Three-year-olds definitely aren't getting it. They definitely are Mario in the world of Mario. Um, and so they're, what we would as Christians perceive as lack of self-control is actually their lack of um, awareness that anyone else is not just a prop in their world. Mm. And so this is something that we need to remember when we're trying to teach children to be able to have self-control and self-discipline and regulate themselves is that to a large extent, they're just not going to get that until they get developmentally to the age of four or five and six and they start to realise that they are part of a world where other people also exist Um so that's, yeah, I think that's a really crucial thing to remember. But it does look like not being able to regulate their own emotions. My, my children are now older and they can feel themselves getting grumpy and they can start to regulate themselves and know what they could do to help themselves. Three and four, totally not able to do that. You know, they're not even aware that they are being grumpy because in their world, this is the grumpy episode you know, <laughs> because it's all about them. Great. Thank you. So this seems like it, Jules, off you go. Sorry, go Jules. I was just going to say, and and yet I find it difficult because uh, when I have an agenda or some, I feel that we need to to get these things done before the, yeah, before going to school or whatever, uh, not remembering 
the developmental stages that you've just been talking about uh, is a real challenge. And so my frustration, yeah, or anger with them, um, yeah, hits fever fever pitch uh, very quickly. This age could be the peak of how often you use the word shoes which I think is a measure. If there's a graph of how often each day do you say the word shoes, I think for threes and fours, it might hit sort of 30, 35, 40 times. Uh, and, and because we do have two South Africans on this call, I'm aware that that might not travel culturally because South Africans pride themselves on just not wearing shoes. But in England, I, I, we, we shout shoes a lot. And that, that would be the same whether, whether Christ is Lord of your household or not. You shout shoes. Can we could we come to that topic then, which is we already reach a crunch in um, where worldview comes into this, which is um, let's just discuss what what it is it to be a Christian parent of this age? What is it that you might be doing differently, given that all parents want their children to be safe? All parents want their children, as Victoria explains, to start to regulate and show self-control and and be aware of other people. You know, these are universal. Victoria, do you want to get us started on that? So I would start by talking about what we are like as parents. And I think for, for as Christians, when your child turns two and suddenly starts developing will and opinions that are not the same as yours about, you know, they can only drink milk in an orange cup. No, not that orange cup. Um you find yourself triggered in ways that you have never been in your adult life. And I don't know about you, Jennifer, but I've worked in nurseries. And when it's someone else's children, you have masses of patience for them, mainly because you send them home at the end of the day. But if you haven't slept through the night and you've actually had the conversation about the orange cup every morning for the last six months, the level of patience you need for that is more than we're physically able to come up with on our own. And so I think one of the challenges for us as Christian parents is to recognise the gift that the challenges of their childhood is to us and our developing our own fruit of the spirit in our family home. Um, because I think that's where, I think that's where their faith will develop. So they will become patient people and people who are kind and loving and forgiving because they experience that from us. And if we don't help them to experience those things, it's really hard to learn that later in life if you've never. I mean, Jennifer, you're saying your children are adopted. When children grow up in a situation where they have trauma in these early years, it's hard mm. for them. They have a big hurdle to get over. It's not impossible, but it's a big hurdle to realise that they are lovable. You know, it's just incredible looking at children from a, um, a background where they've grown up with parents who found it difficult not to lavish them with love to realise that. And I don't think that shouting at our children about the orange means that they they won't know Jesus but that's a real challenge for us as parents. Dex and Julie can, can you give us an insight I have prepared you for this so uh wh where which buttons do you find are being pushed by your three and four year olds at the moment where are the challenges and where is your heart you know is, is it a gift the Lord is doing on your heart at the moment Dex? I, I, I think it is it's hard to see that um <laughs> the Bible does say in everything God is making us more like Jesus um and, uh, you know, I, I thought I was a nice guy until I got married. And then I thought I was an okay guy. And then I had kids. And that just uh, having kids, as we've been speaking, exposes uh, the sinfulness, the anger, the, the frustration in, in my own heart. And that's good for me, apparently. Um, it's hard um, because I, I don't like my sin being revealed to me. But... Um, it uh, it enables me, you know, to to show my kids 
Jesus and what he's like, you know. So the people who have had the most influence in my life are, are godly people who love Jesus. And for me to show that to, try and show that to Fred and Phoebes, to be patient and kind and gentle um, and loving, you know, I want them to see Jesus in me and I want them to see how amazing Jesus is. So uh, that's the challenge. Uh, it's not always easy. I don't always get it right. Um, and But there's grace. And so I'm... I'm loving Grace at the moment. Dex, essentially, although he's willing to acknowledge he's not Superman, I think we sort of think he is right now. <laughs> uh, what, what, what is it to be a mother of this age group, Jules? What is it you see in your own heart? I, I, find, I find it very difficult when, when the children don't necessarily act as I expect or um, l- listening becomes a problem and it, we're repeating the same thing again and again and again and it's it doesn't seem to be going in doesn't seem to be uh yeah uh, making any progress day after day um and so my frustration level uh yeah is poor I guess and um and so you know that is my my sin my own heart um and I I think just not perhaps not involving the Lord as much as I should be that this is a work in progress that I'm doing with the Lord I'm not doing it on my own I'm not doing it I'm doing it with Dex as well um but he can give me the strength uh he can grow the, the, the fruit of the spirit in me uh as he's doing it in my children as well um so I, yeah I, I think that's the challenges that I see but the morning and the evening are particular challenges for me because uh yeah, I find that they they uh, both have short fuses at that time, uh, and there's very a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of sadness uh, and a lot of tantrums that happen at the beginning and the end of the day. As do we. As yeah, as us. <laughs> starts with us probably. <laughs> Thank you, Dex and Jules. Uh, Jennifer, help us with this. What what are you thinking at the moment about what Christian parenting for these for threes and fours looks like? Um, I think for three and four year olds, they, they're really beginning to grasp and comprehend sin and things like forgiveness and that they can actually start, um, and being, being apologizing and things like that. They do start understanding that. But then I think it's important. We are their main role models. Um, you know, as a teacher, you are, but as a parent, you are their fundamental, their most important role model. So it's really important. And I know for myself, I fall short. Every day, and I pray every day. I ask God, please give me wisdom today in dealing with my sons. Give me patience. That's the biggest thing, because my boys, I think, coming from a children's home, when they had to fight for a lot of attention, they they have zero volume control. They they competing with each other all the time. They're fighting for attention from mum and dad when they come back from nursery, and so. My fuse is often a bit short. I'm trying to cook. I'm tired. I'm, I'm also ratty. And um, I think it's important that if I do snap with my child, I really make a concerted effort to then say, my sons, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. Mommy was, mommy was incorrect in, in, you know, and mommy's also fallible. They need to see that I'm human. They need to see I'm not this, this, this superpower mommy who can just put up with anything. And mommy's always right because I'm not always right. I get it wrong. I get it wrong a lot. So it's very important because how else do they learn about forgiveness and asking for forgiveness unless we are role modeling that? We're showing them how to do it. So when I have my four-year-old then come up and they say to me, um, Mommy, I'm I'm so sorry for what I did earlier on, Mommy. And there's there's actually genuine remorse with my child. I understand that they that they're getting it. And it's a daily thing. 
sometimes it's even an hourly or a minute by minute thing with 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 our children you know but being patient is sometimes it's really hard to find that patience um and I definitely have it have more patience as a teacher often than I do my own children and that is just the, that that's just uh, a fact Victoria I yeah I love I love what you just said there Jennifer when listening to Dex and Julie speak I I hear that a lot of the time from parents who don't think they're doing a great job and they're usually parents now I don't know you guys at all but they're usually parents who I actually think are doing a fabulous job and I think what you've just described there Jennifer is one of the two key things I need th- I think three and four year olds need in terms of their Christian walk and they need grace and they need to to know grace and to know goodness mm-hmm. and knowing grace is exactly what you've just described mm-hmm. that we demonstrate what it means to turn around and to say, I am not making this how I want it to be. This is not what I wanted. Please forgive me. Um, which means that then we enable them to be able to see what that actually looks like. We give them a window onto mm. our world, don't we? Um, and we're modeling in, in that way, we're still modeling. We're modeling actually our growth. And so when I hear people, families really struggling with their patients because they've got young children, I'm like, well, that's good. Cause otherwise I think you'd probably locked them up somewhere. You know, <laughs> if you're not impatient with your children, then where are they <laughs> at that age? But there's just such an opportunity for children to see that faith is a journey. It's something we're growing in. It's not something mm-hmm. I've arrived at and I'm helping you to arrive at my place. This is a road we're both walking on. Mm-hmm. And as you're growing in self-control for the first time, I, as an adult, am also still growing in my self-control and in my development. And that's what we want for our kids, isn't it? We want them to have a lifelong journey walking with Jesus, growing to be more and more like God. Uh, I... I have found it helpful in, with this age to to understand that they are still trying to put down the very foundations of a sort of worldview, a framework, making sense of what is happening. Uh, and we have discussed that um, what what we as Christians know of as fruit of the spirit, I think, is the next developmental stage for this age group. I, I don't think it's happening as much in threes to fours. They are not able yet to regulate patience, self-control. They are to some degree. Victoria, you can disagree with me. You're about to disagree. Off you go. I'd I'd say some of them, they're definitely not managing self-control. Yeah. um, But they are incredibly loving and kind and generous, more so than most adult Christians. So I would say some of them, yes. Great. Victoria, well done. So what that means is they give the best hugs ever. They give the yeah. best hu- kisses ever. They are not looking whether their friends are noticing if you're giving them a kiss. They uh, they are they are running across fields for hugs. And I know Dex and Jules, it doesn't happen every day, but it does happen occasionally. It happens a lot, Dex. Is that what you're saying? You get some big hugs. It happens yeah. a lot. <laughs> and this, mo- this morning, so we, we are always picking the biggest granola out for different people in the family. So <laughs> And taking it upstairs. And taking upstairs and presenting it to you. That's what's been happening. <laughs> okay, so look, this is really helpful. Correct the, correct the presenter <laughs> regularly. This age group are brilliant at showing love and kindness and care. They can do it. Uh, the point I was going to get onto, and I wish I'd not stated the negative, is that this age group, we are just trying to model that the simplicity of who who is in authority, who is in charge, and that comes with huge love. So I, I think that's a distinctive of Christianity is that we're saying uh, as God is in authority over us, he calls himself our father. That means he's in authority. It's always loving authority. He knows what is best for us. 
So just to simply understand for this age group, whereas as we've discussed, they are the only ones in their world. Victoria's helpful picture of it's an episode of a cartoon and they're the star. Is that to understand for this age group, they are learning at this point that you, you are you, the parent, are in charge, and that and that and that they have to come second in that. And we, as the parent, are able to know we do that for their benefit, not ours. That's love. But we've also tackled that our authority, unlike our heavenly fathers, is imperfect. So where he doesn't need to apologise to us. We do need to apologise to them. I, I was very struck hearing um, two older senior leaders, a husband and his wife, who had both grown up in Christian homes. So, I mean, that's a total of, uh, you know, and their Christian homes stayed married. So, I mean, if you imagine how many, I mean, we're up to sort of 80 years or something of parenting time in a Christian home. They don't remember none of their parents ever saying sorry. So neither of them could remember a time when mum or dad said sorry to them. That that can't be a Christian model. And and you've you've all discussed brilliantly how it's part of everyday life. And as a parent, if you're saying sorry for the third time in a day, it starts to feel faintly humiliating. Um, can um Jennifer just help us with um, what what might be some goals? What might be uh we've talked about the difficulty of even the simplest things like putting on shoes or coats. What, what is it that we can be aiming for? What is it we can be trying to do with our children? Where is their sweet spot? Um, the thing is, the little ones, they have so many sweet spots, I think. You know, I think we really got to try and put ourselves in their shoes or in their bare feet if they're not wearing shoes. But, um, you know, uh, we've got to come from, we've got to look at it from their perspective, not ours, because we come with our own, the way we were brought up and our own culture, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's very important that our children find their voice. You know, they're not little robots just for us to command, to tell them what we want them to do, you know. Um, we need to guide them to become critical thinkers and empathetic and caring individuals. Um, let them climb trees, let them have risky play. That's very, very important. The child determines their own risk within play. Okay, it's really, really important. Get them outside. And I think especially in today's younger generation, children are often losing the ability to be able to amuse themselves. They have iPads and television on ad nauseum, and I'm so anti them. It's not even funny. Um, things like messy play, you know, we need that with our kids. They need to be outside. They need to be amusing themselves. And I think there's nothing wrong with a child being bored. There really isn't. Um, and by using their own mind to plan and explore and problem solve, they are themselves creating and building their own self-confidence and self-esteem that further develops them as little people. You know, so they are finding their own way in the world. But we need to, as parents and then teachers as well, facilitate that environment where a child is able, given the freedom to actually explore and make their own little decisions, you know, in day to day life, you know, Um yeah, it's a really, really big topic. Um, but I'm very much they, they're starting to become independent little, little, little um, thinkers, you know. So um, I think uh, it's important that we allow them the freedom to become so. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you, Victoria. 
So I have a visual aid, which is always really helpful on a podcast, isn't it? You know, always, <laughs> always. Just something that's really struck me. So I'm not like a massive gardener. Um, I, I do it for fun and I enjoy it. And this year um, I've planted um, purple sprouting broccoli for the first time because I love eating it, but I've never grown it before. So now all of my purple sprouting broccoli seeds sprouted. And so I started potting them out into pots. Okay, so um, I got the biggest pots that I could to put them into, but I ran out of pots. So I've been using these very, very um, sexy milk cartons cut in half. So the top of the milk carton is my top and the bottom of the milk carton is my like water collection. I'm planting my my purple sprouting broccoli in them. But I even ran out of milk cartons. Now, anybody who's got a three and a four-year-old will know you get a lot of milk cartons a week, don't you? Yeah, in the recycling. So I've gone through all of those. <laughs> So I ended up having to put some of them in these little pots. And those of you, those of you looking at it can see, so my little pot is about a quarter of the size volume-wise for soil than my big one. So these two plants were planted at exactly the same time and they were planted out at exactly the same time. But the one in the big milk carton is two or three times the size already in two or three weeks. And that is purely because its roots have more space. And I was just thinking about three and four year olds and how um, it's really easy as parents for us to give them stuff to do. Um, But I love what you were saying, Jennifer, about giving them free time to play and experiment and to be outside and to take risks. And we need to let them do that spiritually as well. We need to give them Mm. space for their faith to grow. And I was going to pick these out and show you the roots, but you know what will happen if I do that. Yeah, those two plants will both die if I show you the roots. And I think with three and four year olds, our temptation is is to try and see what's happening, to try and get a visual on, you know, like, where are they doing? Where are they up to with this stuff? And I'm afraid our education system in the UK does that quite a lot. It's like a child is just starting to be interested in reading and we kind of have to pick it apart and work out which bit of it they're able to do and which bit of it they're not. Whereas actually the joy for the child is just growing into that and experimenting and exploring and growing. And so I think as parents, we really need Mm. our challenge is how can we give our children as big a pot for their roots as possible? So their root system grows as big as it possibly can so they can um, they can have a system of roots that will nourish them for the rest of their lives. I'm talking about in terms of faith. So we want them to be able to develop roots so they can continue to feed themselves. And obviously that those plants are going to go outside. The roots are going to continue to develop. I'm not really that fussed about the root because we don't eat that bit. But of course, without it, nothing happens. Um, so and you can and some plants you can even chop off the top of the plant and the root will re-sprout out a whole load of new shoots so those roots are really essential that we help children develop them thank you very much uh dex and julie can we talk a bit about these conversations for when when it goes wrong um or the conversations when it goes right um what what do they look like uh how, how are you how are you finding them uh a difficult challenging i think um i, th- I think the, the yeah we do celebrate um good moments i mean we try various things with different kinds of star charts and various reward things we we haven't settled on a kind of golden nugget that that works yet but i think by and large to celebrate the um the good things the kind things the loving things they do um for you know, particularly between the two of them, between the two siblings, between Fred and Phoebe, you know, to say so that was great, that was really loving, really kind. Um, I, I think in the difficult moments when they are not listening and when they are unkind is uh, for me particularly. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was patient, but I'm really not. Is to, is is to is to pause, either take a deep breath and not um, fly off the handle, or or or, or, or you know. 
shout and scream, you know. Uh, so, yeah, to try and pause, take a moment and then explain calmly and gently that wasn't great, uh, you know. That's not what we expect. Um, I don't always get that right. Um, there's a lot of shouting that goes on in our house. Um, but I, th- I think I think it's, yeah, what we try and do is try and be measured in in how we respond when we are angry and frustrated. And at this age group, those conversations normally are instant in that if you waited 20 minutes, the moment is forgotten. That's right. So whereas in two years' time, it's actually for your benefit that maybe you say, could you just go and sit on that yeah. step there for a moment? That that allows you to calm down as well as the child to calm down. With this age group, you've only got about 30 seconds before the yeah. moment's gone forever. So that, that, I mean, Dex, it sounds like brilliant advice to say, take a breath, take a moment. Yeah. I think I was going to say that uh, sometimes it's... For for us, um, Freddie and Phoebe are very different personalities. And so Phoebe um, is very quick to do the thing that we want her to do. For instance, say sorry. It might not necessarily be meant, um, but it's it's then easy for us to say, oh, well, she's done the right thing. Whereas for Freddie, it takes uh, a very long time, but he probably means it when he finally gets around to saying it. And so again, as Christian parents, what does that look like? And it, sh- it perhaps it, it should look different, uh, doesn't? Uh, in the, our motivation, what what motivates us for wanting them to say sorry and wanting them to care about their sibling uh, or others around them when they've done wrong, even by accident? It, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It was a surprise to us to discover that one kind of formula didn't fit both children um and we're still learning that we are jennifer t- tell us tell us about how we can do this as christian parents it's what's so interesting is that you know saying what um with the kids is that even with my twin sons they are absolute chalk and cheese and what works for the one doesn't the other and they've had exactly the same upbringing they've experienced the same things and the one definitely will listen and the other one doesn't. So he's more trying and then I need to be more patient with him. But he is just a lot more emotionally and spiritually immature than his brother. And yet he, he developmentally in other areas, he's streets ahead. But I think it's just so um, we've got to realize that every child is so different. Um, and we do need to just patience is a massive thing that I know for myself uh, as a mommy um, uh, that I every day I say Lord please today help me with with being patient with my sons because I need to see where they are at individually and even as twins they're often at very different places as we uh, as we think about those conversations uh, as we think mm-hmm. about what is possible what we're aiming to do uh, Julie, you just touched there on, as Christians, we want more than, for instance, the word sorry to be said out loud. Uh, we would the, the Bible consistently talks about the heart, that God sees mm-hmm. the heart. He wants a heart that loves him, loves others, rather than the, the right behavior that superficially impresses the stranger. Jules, at this age, what, what is possible? What can you aspire to? Um, so recently we've been... Uh, trying to talk about, uh, yeah, what does our 
heart-like? Are we doing things out of our heart of anger or our heart of love? Um, and uh, so just gently trying to point out to them that that was unkind. And also when I do unkind things and they see me do unkind things that again that was a heart of anger and I shouldn't have done that and I yeah so sometimes it's actually pointing at me so that then when they also display either good or bad behavior then explaining about about their heart uh what the underlying heart looked like thank you Victoria, go. I I think when our children were little, one of the things we did was to frame, like like you're saying, Julie, to frame um, our behaviour in terms of the characteristics of God we wanted to model to them, we wanted them to mm-hmm. develop. So, for example, our family is, is one of the things we really value is generosity and abundance, and we're really into God's abundance in our lives, and, and we, we wanted to draw the children into giving. Now, at the age of three and four, children really haven't understood what it really means to own something yet. So giving isn't really something that we expected them to be able to do, like sharing or even taking turns is really hard work because they're still getting the understanding of what it means to have ownership of a thing. But what we did was we just invited them into ours, into what it looked like for us. And in this modern age, it, giving doesn't often look like putting pennies into a bag that's passed along the row at church, um, like it was when I was a kid. It's usually a transaction on the computer with a return. But we just invited them in. I remember my husband sitting doing uh, giving online and we had this this fund that we'd put money into and he wanted to give some of it away. And so he just sat down and chatted with our three-year-old about what he was doing, why he was doing it, and got her to do. He said, before I send it, I always say a prayer. Would you like to say the prayer with me? So they did a prayer, praying for the people they were giving the money to. And then he got her to press return um and so that's mm. that whole like it's in some ways that's a really meaningless activity because it's just pressing a button on a computer but the framing frames it in the fruit of the spirit of generosity of of, of sharing god's abundance with other people and gradually as i've seen that happen i've seen the fruit of that that my children love giving gifts and that they will make gifts for their friends for their birthdays they'll be thinking about a friend's birthday two or three weeks in advance and make them something which i didn't used to do as a kid but i know that's something that that's growing out of what we've shared with them when they were little. Thank you. Jennifer, yes. Um, I'd like to, you know, living in South Africa, poverty is very, very evident, you know, at the traffic lights, etc. And our little boys, um, we once had a, uh, we had a man come to our front gate and say, please, do you have any food for me? I'm really hungry. And uh, we immediately went, we went inside, we got some water, we got um, a couple of cans of uh, food, of baked beans, we got some fruits, a loaf of bread, you know, really basics that we just take for granted in our pantry. And this man went away, so grateful. And that night we prayed and then there was a big thunderstorm, big thunderstorm in South Africa. We have lots of thunder and lightning and we were doing our family prayer time and I started crying. And, and my little boy Noah said, Mommy, why are you crying? And I said, because the man that we gave food to, I'm, I'm worried now he doesn't have shelter tonight. You know, and I think that was, he saw that it was such a natural, just a, it was a genuine upset about a concern for another human being. Anyway, that man, so often, it was, he's a stranger. And this is maybe about eight months ago now. He still appears in our prayer time. And now my little boys are saying to me now, Mommy, we need to actually have little bags of food. So when we see people at the traffic lights begging for money, Mommy, they don't have food. So they've made the connection. Mommy, let's take it so we can keep it in the car and we can give it to them at the traffic light. 
Now, that is how they've then extended that. So they are opening their eyes to people that we have so much abundance in our life. We don't want, we have shelter, we have a warm blanket, we have food in our fridge. We, we want for nothing. We have parents, you know, they have parents that love them. They really, really get this. So when we see, you know, people on the side of the road who are begging for money, and oftentimes they have little infants with them as well, our little boys will say, Mommy, that little child doesn't have a hat on, but Mommy, it's really hot, you know. So um, I think it's important that, you know, they see how they extend it and, and generosity does come from their heart. Thank you. Um Victoria, we um, it, it I think it's needed in this conversation for threes and fours just to discuss discipline when things go wrong. Could you tell us um, a bit about how your family view discipline, how you have done it, and what you've chosen not to do? So we've we've chosen in our family to uh, to be a bit more alongside our children, to be peaceful and and try and invite them into our calm. And as as Dex has described, inviting children into your calm is highly challenging because you have to develop your calm to invite them into. Um, we've chosen to uh, to give them as much freedom as we can, and to only have a few rules that are really essential for their safety, and to try and facilitate that by making our house safe for them. So I don't have to tell them to not. Touch the knives because the knives aren't touchable um, and we've chosen to not smack them and to instead have conversations with them um, so they are um, the the punishments are more natural consequences of what goes on and we've always talked about you know well because because you've broken this now we can't use it so we're going to have to throw it away and so we won't be able to have that anymore um, so that yeah that's the path that we've gone down and and you have two siblings who are close in age so just tell us when presumably I mean I'm I'm going to guess that having two siblings close in age means I don't know one gets thumped one gets unkind words said or whatever can you just tell us in those moments what in this age group we're talking about today what how would you have handled that So when they were 3 and 4 um yeah I think close siblings we've found um they they do they're like marmite so they're either totally in love with each other you know, think that each other are the bees knees, play with each other beautifully for an hour on their own, or they're, yeah, thumping the daylights out of each other, shouting rude words at each other, etc. Um, so I would usually go in and come between them physically so that they, they're, you know, we kind of break up the fight gently by putting ourselves between. And then I usually pick one, <laughs> usually the one who I think is most out of control. So the one that's de- demonstrating l- the least amount of control over their own body and their own feelings, uh, because that's the one that I need to be able to remove myself and sit down with and, and chat with first. Um, I find, I find, I do find myself assigning blame which I don't think is particularly helpful because especially when you come into an argument you often don't know who started it and who was who was most at fault kind of thing but I I try to be kind of unanimous like so you said something rude and then she hit you so it's not it's not okay to do either of those things I'm not I'm not cool with either of those behaviors so you need to sort that out and then I give them space away from each other and then I would invite them to say what do you need to do to fix this relationship because you actually do love your sister. So what do you want to do? And, and like Julie was saying, that actually for some children, that takes quite a bit of time. And for other children, they can do that immediately. And of course, when they're siblings, if one of them wants to do it and the other one doesn't want them in their room yet, that's you know, that that's an issue. Um, but just, yeah, sort of um, coaching them through fixing the break in their relationship, I guess. Thanks, Victoria. Uh, in our family, we have smacked our children. Uh, I think in, in this age group, it happens more and the one just afterwards five and six year olds it happened a lot less 
I'd say that for the boys, we smack them more than my daughter uh, because I just, I just think she understood more with words. She understood more with our attitude. Uh, I think I, I do need to say that as we've talked about the anger of being a parent, I think if you choose to smack your children, you have to, you have to be careful that it is for their benefit. It is loving and you are under control. Uh, but I also think this age group is the beginning of the conversations you're talking about, Victoria. It's the beginning of, can we remember how we felt? Can we remember what went wrong? Um, Jules and Dex, can you just tell us, um, we don't have long left, but as parents of this age, what is your experience of trying to grow as Christians? Church can feel very difficult. Um, opening the Bible in any meaningful way in a regular time can feel very difficult. Uh, have you got some advice for parents of this age about how you can keep going as Christians, even growing? <laughs> yeah, thanks. I think I think we hugely um, God's been really kind to us in the sense that the church that we're at, the congregation we're at, has a lot of people in the similar age and stage to us. So we feel like we're not alone. We feel like you know, albeit we feel failures, we feel like we're doing an okay job because a lot of our friends are struggle with the same issues. Um, um, but we we uh, at a very early age, you know, when it was when they didn't have a choice, we started reading the Bible to them. So, um, you know, when they were six months old, um, and and that's that we got ourselves into the habit of doing that. Thankfully. Um, and now, you know, at the breakfast table, they will remind us to pray and to read the Bible. Um, and that's God's kindness to us. I mean, I don't, it's never too late to start a habit. So if you haven't started, um, and and it will just feel normal to them, I think. It's just something that that we do as a family. Uh, we pray and read the Bible. We pray with them before they go to bed. Uh, if they, you know, if they are scared. Like Fred, Fred's got a really vivid imagination, so... Um, he gets he, he got scared about the gruffalo once. He gets scared about the big bad wolf, and it gives us opportunities to talk about it with him at night. You know that that God's bigger than the gruffalo. He's bigger than the big bad wolf. Uh, we can pray to him. He never goes on holiday. It, it's a great joy to, and he gets it. And he and it kind of he goes to sleep at peace at night. You know, with those kind of things, and that so. We see it in him. That's a great joy for him. But, we, you know, that feeds our faith. And we think, actually, God's doing something in him. And that encourages us to keep going and keep... You know, so. That's a wonderful story. Uh, Jennifer, do you have anything to say about how, in this age group, we, we can manage with church, we can manage with our, you know, what it is, uh, any aspect? Um, I would say, you know, it was really, uh, we've actually just, um, uh, we had a, our church had a plant. So we went to the plant and there was no Sunday school. And it was really tricky because our boys, it was very hard to keep them quiet during the service. Um, it's re even though they're trying hard, it's really hard for so long for a child to be quiet. And we had coloring in for them and everything. And, but we were, it was distracting. It wasn't working. They've just started Sunday school now. And we're so relieved, to be honest. And, um, it's wonderful, but I'd say get involved, you know, so, for myself you know I say you know um, I also then need to get involved with Christian Sunday School and play my part as a member of the church but also as a parent
parent because you realize then how, you know, other parents are going through similar things as yourself. We're all in this together. We all want the same outcome. You know, we want to enjoy church. And Jennifer, it sounds like there's some wisdom there, which is in this in this period of life, you may be receiving. You have to work out, I think. How much is just you, the fact you're in church mm. and encouragement to others? Mm. You, you may be getting less out. Is that right, Jennifer? I think, well, if, if, if you have your children in the service with you, you certainly are. Because every 10 minutes, mommy, I need to go to the toilet. Uh, mommy, where's mother's pencil's not working? It's the distraction. Yeah. So it's, that's just the reality. That's being, that's the, the reality of. So with Sunday school being there, we as the adults, as the parents can enjoy the sermon and take from it. And then they also obviously having beautiful Christian teaching at their level in Sunday school. Um, so the church plays a fundamental part. But then I think we're all in this together and we each, we each play our role within the body of Christ. Thank you. Victoria. So I, I would, my top tips for parents would be, um, if you find yourself in church and it's difficult to get stuff out of the service, that it's actually your job to feed yourself, which sounds a little bit mean, but find ways and times that work for you. So I would, I did things like listen to podcasts or to the Bible or to worship music on my phone, plugged in with one earphone while doing the cooking so we would have like an hour when the children got to watch tv so i could cook the meal so i would make sure that meal time prep was was nourishing my soul as well as the the kitchen table and the other thing we did as a family is we made sure that we had um habits and routines and rituals in our home that were growing our faith at home together so that when i don't necessarily have to have a set quiet time away from my children because I don't have any time away from them but we can actually read the bible and pray and grow together and we did this in a form of a shabbat meal on a friday night um which is uh, has like physical rituals which this age group are really up for doing something that's very tangible so we light candles and we wash our hands and we have bread and wine together and we have a whole load of bible verses that we say the same ones every single week and the same prayers and they become part of these this root system this kind of nourishment um and and like Dex said, you know, we started doing it when they had no choice. I remember first week home from hospital with my first, with my newborn, we did Shabbat with her. And uh, because there was no question in our mind to not do that, because that's what we did every week. Um, so we just shared what we did with them. Um, but it became something that's our our basis is is in our home. And then church is the top up, um, which allows us to be givers more at church. So I'm not so fussed if I miss the sermon because I know I'll be listening to stuff at home this week. And I'm happy to be in the creche and to chat with other parents and, and be sharing our struggles there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, as we just finish then, my final question, I guess, is how can we support parents in this age group? Uh, Jennifer, a final thought on this? This is really your job to some degree. Uh, um, you know, no, there's so many things. I think parenting, uh, so often toys um, can be quite restrictive. Let children actually ha have a, an environment at home where children can have raw materials like sand and water and chalk and paint and Play-Doh. Do things like that. Get involved with a child's play. Children don't want to. They love it when parents get involved in the play and you're actually having that experience together. I think that's really important. Important. Um, and just and also um, talking less and listening more. Let your children tell you things, you know, like say, for example, Bible stories at night. You know, Noah and Jonah say to me, Mommy, are we having story time tonight or are we having storytelling? And we've started doing storytelling. They love it more because they are now telling us 
I will tell them a story about whatever it could be. It doesn't necessarily, it's not always Christian or from the Bible, but most oftentimes it is. And then they'll, then they'll start telling me the story about David and Goliath. Um, and so it's furthering their walk with the Lord. It's special family time, our storytelling time every single night. Um, and it's, it's literacy and it's just lovely. It's, it's just special bonding time, you know, um, so I think what's important with parents is to put away your phones, uh, turn the telly off, be present with your children, play with them, go kick a ball with them outside. You know, even if you really don't feel like it and you're tired, try and find that energy to give your child more of yourself personally. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Dex and Jules, is there anything left to say before I ask you to pray to finish? What's in your hearts at the moment? I I I um I am amazed at uh, at how much the threes and fours can grasp. They, they are like little sponges. Like we've um, we've <laughs> have got endless CDs around a good game and awesome country, and uh, we have them on in the car. And Colin and we've got them on in the car constantly. We've got them on on the iPad constantly. And just this morning, Fred was singing. I've got a. I thought it was a hole in heaven. He said, <laughs> but actually, the words are he's got a home in heaven. Uh, just you know, because he's heard it so many times, like a thing of repetition. We were talking about, and we don't necessarily sit and have to down listen to a song. It's just on in the background, and they they have those tunes going on in their head. And I think it. You know, there's moments. You know. In the day, which you think this is this is ridiculous, this is all failing. But actually, if you look at the bigger picture, like over a week or over a month, there's there's and even in the days, there's huge delight and huge joys. And they, you know, I do see Fred growing in his understanding of who Jesus is and in some of the th- the concepts of heaven. Um, so I just think you know, keep going, you know, um, and try things, Jules. Are you happy to pray that we would keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jules. Father God, thank you for the privilege it is uh, to be uh, parents uh, to these three- and four-year-old children. Thank you for the challenges too. Thank you that you're teaching us lots through it. But we do pray for our three- and four-year-olds that they would see Jesus, see the goodness of uh, your gospel and see how, um, yeah, how wonderful it is. I pray that some of the concepts that they hear about and uh, learn about uh, from us and from church uh, would help them to see that Jesus really is their king and they can trust him. Uh, with their whole lives. We pray that they uh, might do that soon. Please help us. Please continue to give us grace and wisdom and grow us more in the likeness of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us. We would love to hear your questions. We'd love to hear how you're finding this series, Parenting Through the Stages. Maybe you could send us some questions for some of those later ones. If you're listening, wondering, they're really going to screw up the episodes on how to bring up teenagers. We'd love to hear your questions so we don't mess it up quite as badly as we might. Send us an email. We're at podcast at faithinkids.org. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear anything you have to ask us or say. 
or the stories of your three and four year olds and how wonderfully it's going as well as how difficult it is. Bye bye. Thank you to my panel. Will you say goodbye? Bye. 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 bye.